0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crew Call with Mike Rose. We're calling this one Volume 3-11. It's November 2021. And uh, we're going to talk about the, um, the missing time of the last six months. Uh, and we're going to talk about that with friend of the show and, and friend of Mike R, Craig Biesgeier. How are you, Craig? I'm doing great. Thank you. I just thought, you know, we started the we started the whole crew call adventure with you. It's and true. That's right. What better way to uh, to resume things than uh, bringing in our our our, our good friend Frank Craig Beesgayer, who is a total professional and has the same haircut as me.
1: <laughs> Actually, very stylish, very streamlined.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if uh, you're of the same uh, situation, but. I've, mine's been gone for much longer than I had it.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I started losing mine in my middle twenties. I was very lucky to actually still have some hair when I got married, but then that was at uh, 29. So yeah, it's right. been pretty damn close to half my life.
0: Yeah. Mine was in full retreat by the time my son arrived. So that was about, uh, about that same age. So it's mm-hmm. when it happens, but I like to say that it's the intense inner cranial activity that cooks the roots. Well, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we're not. There's, a,
1: there's not, not to be off key, at least at the beginning. But one of the funniest things I ever saw was a T-shirt that said, it's not a bald head. It's a solar panel for a sex machine. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's about as R as we get on this podcast.
1: Uh, pretty much. And let's hopefully not much more. <laughs> so,
0: so I'm going to I'm going to catch up with you because I think okay. it's been quite a while since we've had an actual conversation.
1: It's true. Um, Um, And I absolutely want to know what's been going on with you, too, because it's actually been a while since we've spoken other than even on, you know, the podcast here. You know, because of COVID, you and I literally haven't seen each other in close to two years now. We've talked a little bit here and there.
0: Well, I I know I've got some spleen to do here. So (laughs) let let me let me see if I can just uh, give the the quick and dirty. So last podcast I did uh, was April uh, this year. Uh, with another mutual friend, Mike Conflon, we were talking about operations and things like that. I had just come off of a big uh, building binge for one of the two remaining unfinished areas uh, in my original basement. That was the the Ransom uh, Potlatch Paper Mill Complex, which started by hiding the electrical panels and went all the way down to um, Tunkhannock, which was prior to that, the last thing that I had worked on. And um, that, so that was April and May, I started to get extra busy with IT, um, like really, really busy. And you're in IT, you know how that can happen. I, it just I certainly do. Yep. You. You're, you work for an outside company. I don't know if you're a contractor or, or full- Oh, no, I'm
1: a full-time employee. Okay.
0: But, um, mm-hmm. And of course, I've, I've had my own business forever. Sure. And I've, because of that, I've always been able to manage my, my the piece of things. You know, um, I, I found that I could schedule things out and make sure I was building in enough uh, me time to have uh, what I consider to be kind of like a nice, well-rounded sort of a gig. Sure. Um, that all went away starting sometime in May because all of my customers are like long-term customers. And some of them are in the uh, the healthcare industry and they had needs with all the letters capitalized. And, you know, you don't, you don't just say to a 30 year customer, yeah, I know you need all this stuff, but you know, really, I would rather just, you know, record my podcast and work on my layout and I'll get around to it. You know, when I, when I do get a chance.
1: Yeah. They tend to frown on that. that.
0: (laughs) So, so I figured, well, you know, I'll take, I'll take a month off from the podcast, and get this stuff out of the way. What happened was June was actually much busier. So not only did I not work on the layout, didn't record a podcast, didn't do much else but work in June. And I thought, okay, well, at least I can get this stuff cleared up. And then this summer, you know, take a little time, ride my bike, get back to kind of normal stuff. Problem was, July, even busier than June. Oh, no. <laughs> and at one point I said to my wife, this is like having a job. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just working all the time. <laughs> was, and, and of course, with ID, you work all kinds of crazy hours. And um, I wasn't doing a whole a whole lot, lot of, of, of anything else. Um, at some points during the summer, I was running some trains with my buddy Dave. He'd come over and we kind of ran the layout. And, um, and that was nice, too, to just after a big, uh, you know, building boom to uh, actually use the thing that you'd spend so much time on. It's a nice diversion from work because a two-person obsession, it's not mindless, but it's, it's as close as you're going to get in the, in, in the hobby. So it was like a nice diversion, but mm-hmm. I was just so um, like chewed up with, uh, with, with brain activity that Not only could I not think of doing the podcast, I couldn't think of anybody I even wanted to talk to. You know what I mean? Sure. Because the podcast is me talking to people that I'm interested in talking with. I mean, that's kind of all it is, really. Everybody else gets to listen in on that conversation, for better or worse, right? Some of them are better than others. a whole bunch of
1: voyeurs out there, you know?
0: Absolutely. (laughs) But like I say, some of them are better than others. Sometimes the, uh, the listeners uh aren't shy about telling me that but i'm a big boy i can take it and i always tell them look I'd be happy to refund your money if you you know if you're yeah. unhappy with your purchase yeah. so um,
1: your there
0: you go. <laughs> yeah most people are very nice though yeah. so uh I, I was noticing during the summer that for the first couple of months um, you know i was thinking gee what if you stop doing your podcast and nobody notices um, and i think that i think there was i can a- talk to you about that <laughs> I mean, there's a little, there was a little bit of that going on there. So it really, yeah. after the first couple, um, you know, I get an inquiry here or there. And then I started getting more like Facebook IM saying, "Cheese, Micah, did you, did you change the, um, you know, the website or the distribution? I just haven't been receiving the podcast. And I always laughed and said, there's a reason for that. You're, exactly. You're, yes. <laughs> nothing going on in the pipeline right now. Um and it's funny how um, once you get uh, locked into a serious not doing the podcast, it's real easy to not do the podcast. You know what I mean? The uh, any available time that it was taken up easily just gets filled right up. You know, it's funny uh, how that happens. Yeah, I started to get into maybe September ish, and I thought now I'm actually feeling like doing it again. Um, but I was still really busy in September, and that leaked into October a little bit. And then I had a trip down to the Smoky Mountains to visit with my son and his wife. That was a kind of a big adventure for us, you know, because we haven't really uh, left the compound all that much uh, in mm-hmm. these past, these past uh, few, few months. So that was kind of a big deal. And it was really only when we got back and the dust settled and all of that, that I thought, you know what, it's time to do it again. Actually, actually I listened to a podcast that um my stepdaughter's uh, boyfriend does.
1: Oh, okay. and, and
0: it's actually a pretty cool uh, podcast, and um, it's got it, it's it's basically an interview with a person um, telling a story about something that they'll never do again. It's it's that's really kind of like, kind of the
1: theme of it. Th- those are often the most interesting stories. Yeah.
0: Well, I I found it very engaging, and and I and I noticed that he sounded like he was having a good time doing it, and I thought. I used to have a good time doing the podcast. I'm going to do it again, and that's when I contacted you. So
1: Wait.
0: that's that's like the short story of how you take six months, and um, and and make it make it disappear. The other thing that happened in October was I took a look at the calendar,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I looked at the weather, and I looked at what I wanted to do on the layout moving forward. And I heard footsteps. I heard the footsteps of those decreasing temperatures, and I said. Mm-hmm. I had to make some trees. So I made another 750 trees before I left for vacation. There you go. And I had a, um, a column deadline, my getting real column and Model Railroad Hobbyist for sure. like mid-November. So what I was trying to do was get the last unfinished section in my basement article worthy before I left for vacation. So that would give me you know, week and a half or so to kind of lash mm-hmm. together the the, uh, the article. Yeah, and, and
1: give me something to write about, right? So it, it,
0: Exactly. So that was mm-hmm. like the other thing that was going on in October while IET was finally at long last getting under control. Naturally, what do I do? I jump right back into a, another project, right? Of course. Um, you know, people, <laughs> people kid me about, you know, always having projects going on. And I said, I'm a project manager. It's what I do. Yeah. What do you expect me to do? Well, Although yeah. Summer I was I was enjoying operating, you know. So mm-hmm. um it's it's kind of amazing to have the entire original basement presentable. Not one square inch of it's done, but there's no bare plywood, there's no unballasted track, mm-hmm. uh, there's no area of it that is uh, like kind of waiting for trees. Yep. So yeah, now you haven't seen the edition, right? You weren't. Here. I have not. No, yeah. I, the
1: last time I was there was before you, uh, I think you would just put the new edition in and there was no track or anything in there yet.
0: I don't know. Right, right. Oh, so it's
1: just a big empty room, but it exists. That's all it was. Yeah, I think. Okay.
0: okay. That looks a little different now. I, I, yeah, I've seen the pictures. It's, it's pretty impressive. It's, I don't know, I've got like, you know, two or three winter things that I'm going to want to do. Mm -hmm. basically continuing on from where the layout kind of leaks into the new addition. And I've already got the two big yards in there done. So I'm going to connect again, connect up some areas that are, that are already scenic. But the new thing that we're doing is there's no more projects that involve, you know, taking down the layout and not having it able to be operated for any extended period. of time. No
1: more layout kaboom then. You said that many times, and I mean it. (laughs) I know it's one of those things you have to watch
0: out for because it turns around and comes and backslides. I mean, you know, this is not to say that, you know, there might be some, there might be an underperforming area of trackage or something. Of course. There could be a maintenance blitz. Yes. But that's not Leo Kaboom. That Leo nope. Kaboom has been right down to the bench work. You know, like I was, like oh, I doing over at Laceyville and and Skinner's Eddie. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty hardcore. I just don't mm-hmm. see that in my future. Um, I don't think I'm old enough to keep doing that. You know what I mean? I want to um,
1: I, I want to totally like build
0: on what I what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think fingers crossed here. Um, that I, I seem to have gotten the genie back in the in the bottle, or the doorway to hell closed, or however you want to phrase it. <laughs> um, it has settled more into a dull roar instead of a, a, you know an avalanche.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and if, I guess it. I guess it was. Uh, I didn't know that we could do that much in that amount of time, but you do what you have to do.
1: Oh, for as, sure. Yeah.
0: As you know.
1: Oh, I, um, I do. I mean, I had not quite the same experience, but uh, we, you know, not to I know this is not a show about IT and we don't want to make it into that. No, but you know but what the, it you know what it uh, has to include, right? Uh, if uh,
0: you're gonna do trains, because yeah. people always say to me, Oh, what do you never sleep? Oh, you know, what are you working like a man possessed all the time? I mean the Hold one up. thing that I do maybe that's a little different than some people is I don't waste much time. If right. I have 15 or 20 minutes, I'm thinking. Am I going to accomplish during that time? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because I, I kind of know what I'm doing after half a century or so of, of doing it, I don't have to waste a lot of time thinking, oh, geez, how do I do this? You know, if you, right?
1: If you right. just decide what you want to do, you just freaking do it, you know? Right. I don't know. I, I totally get what you mean. And, uh, but it's funny you were talking before about uh, how things, you know, particularly, you know, when, when the whole COVID thing started a year and a half ago or more now uh we at my company uh were very concerned that you know because of that lots of things are going to shut down uh we do a lot of work with supply chain type stuff and so of course that was a, a huge <laughs> concern uh we lost a bunch of people to start with people took a pay cut it was very scary and uh after about four or five months we started realizing that after the initial shock people were like no you know we still need to do these things and there's there's... so all of a sudden all this business that we thought we lost came back roaring and so an
0: avalanche exactly exactly
1: so it's it's funny i have almost exactly the same experience as you in that but the timing wasn't
0: that different either
1: no it's it's been basically since last uh december or january things have just gone crazy and we've We've hired back people. We've everybody, you know, got their the, the pay cut. Everybody got their money back. We have been just crazy busy ever since then. And I've been on. I spent a good part of the summer in Texas. Uh, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from a week in Seattle. Um, you know, you're, so and you're basically
0: and we, doing a warehouse or something,
1: right? Yeah, we do a conveyor systems for very large warehouses in order to, you know, do direct to consumer stuff and other things and all. Uh, we, We do lots of different systems, but those are the ones I work on. And it's turning out that especially now because of COVID and nobody wants to go out to the mall and go shopping. So now all these companies are saying we really have to, you know, improve our direct to consumer stuff. Right. So we've got jobs coming in like right and left and we are crazy busy. So it, I, I've almost had a very similar experience to what you have in that, you know, we were all concerned last year that, you know, oh, man, are we going to make it through here? And now it's like we can't find enough people to get the work done that we've already got. Well, this real life so, stuff matters crazy. Right? because unless you're like
0: fully retired, which I'm mm-hmm. sure a, a lot of us are increasingly as we as we get to that age, I know I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm now a card carrying Medicare person.
1: Good which, for you. you no,
0: know, <laughs> you look at that little card and you think, "Huh, <laughs> it's yeah. official now, isn't it?"
1: Yeah, I'm not there so, yet, but I'm getting. I'm going to keep working,
0: obviously, and unless I lose my marbles, but I mean, I, I figure I'm going to, you know, try to do it into my early 70s anyway, you know.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I'd like to. I'd like to get into my early 70s, which really would be job job one, um, and and you never know, but um, you know, so far so good. Mm-hmm. But. The real world stuff matters because it you either find a way to manage that and do your hobby mm-hmm. and you know see your wife once in a while and 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 see your see your kids and what have you when you when you can and still mm-hmm. find a way to do some trains or you you know you you fall into that I've got boxes of stuff and a basement with cobwebs, and it just never happens you know right.
1: I'm I'm kind of working my way out of that myself now, because in addition to all this as well, my son is getting married in two months. Oh. And uh, so we've been doing all kinds of things. And on top of that, back in, I think, April, uh, at the same time you started getting busy, he bought a house. Is he and, local? Uh, I'm sorry? Is he local? Fairly local. He's 20 minutes away. So not too bad.
0: Yeah, that's, that's perfect.
1: But of course, because, you know, housing prices being what they are in the Northeast, they had to pay an awful lot of money for a fixer upper. And so myself and my soon-to-be father-in-law, I guess you could say, uh, you know, that we've been spending a ton of time over at my son's new place getting, you know, floors replaced and fixing walls and doing tiling and you know painting
0: that knows how to do things
1: that's it because of course you know for all the time i tried to teach him how to do all these things like no dad it's okay i'm got uh i got things to do so now he's like oh i wish i had paid attention i'm like well yeah they're gonna
0: miss (laughs) us you know (laughs)
1: <laughs> gonna, we will be missed. I, I marked my. Oh way. no, We're not yeah. We are we are definitely not missed at this point. That's for sure. So we've been spending a ton of time over there up until very recently, getting everything ready to go. So I'm in mean exactly what you're talking about right now. I've had all these projects that you know I wanted to get to, but you know between work and that. You Know it's that's like you said, there's there's cobwebs growing in the basement, and no, and then of course, when the hurricane came through a few months back, uh, um, my sump pump died, so we had your area of three, had three inches of water in the that. basement. That's that stunk, that was bad, and I'm yep. still trying to deal with that.
0: That was kind of a non event for us, but mm-hmm. uh, like three days before I was supposed to go off on this big road trip to the Smoky mm-hmm. Mountains, 32 hours of driving, that's uh, a long trip. To avoid flying in part. Um nor'easter, big Nor'easter.
1: Oh yeah. I remember came in
0: and pasted us here. Uh no power for uh, two and a half days. Nine hours into it, my generator decided yeah it wasn't happy. Um and I'm, oh, no. I'm thinking I can't you you know you don't like get in your car and drive away from your no power
1: in the middle of a disaster yeah you just can't you know so (laughs) unless you're ted cruz you know and then it's (laughs) (laughs) from a from a um
0: from a a a pre-trip stress standpoint it -hmm. was less than ideal but the power came back on like the thursday late afternoon and uh and we were leaving first thing saturday morning so it, it was cutting it a little bit too close
1: pretty tight yeah
0: yeah yeah so we've straightened all that stuff out mm-hmm. but meanwhile now despite all of that that's going on i'm watching mm-hmm. what you're doing basically on facebook right and we're not exactly doing nothing that's true um but you you seem to be unable to get away from the computer
1: well that's a big part of it yep. <laughs> uh lately- but now, are you a developer or or it's something else? I'm a developer. I guess you could say. I think that's probably the best, you know, way to describe it. I work on user interfaces for, uh, you know, the. Um, you write code. I write code. Yeah, exactly. I'm a programmer. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and in your in your spare time, as a
0: diversion, mm-hmm.
1: you more programs. As I make sure it I does that seem right. to be a bit of an overlap there. Yes. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's true. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, for years I've been. I've never finished it, of course, but I've had this program I've been working on for a long time called Here to There. I remember is, that. Yeah, we talked about that a while back. Yep. It's still not finished yet. Hopefully one of these days, you know.
0: My little cards are kicking ass here. They're, they're working.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So there's, there's that. And that's a software that eventually will be uh, something that can be used for operations. Uh, basically taking uh, the place of car cards and waybills with just like basically single-use waybills. Um, we uh, don't have to get into that tonight, but there's that <laughs> the and then, like, is that, is that the ultimate goal? That is the ultimate goal. Uh, the ultimate goal of it is to uh, have basically, it's not quite similar. It's just more like two use. You have a card that brings the, the, whatever it is in from staging, and then it gets to where it's going and between sessions and the way you would normally take a car card, uh, a, a way bill in the car card and flip it over. In order to take the train back, the car back off. Right. You basically yes. have a two sided way build that does the same thing. The first side one brings it on. When you're done with that, you strike through it with Sharpie, turn it over, and then that build takes it off. So you know, you're printing no,
0: these for every other session.
1: That's right. Yeah. And that can be a bit much for a larger layout. But if you think about it, most of the time, you're only really doing about a quarter of the movements because some of the cars came on last session right. and haven't yeah. even been spotted. The ones that have been spotted are probably dwelling there for a session, or what we picked up to later, you know. So you let's say you move uh, five hundred cars in a session, you're only, only really printing about 125, 150 cards. So let's and
0: let's let's roll with this a little bit. I mean, I, I okay. do want to get back to your three D printing uh, career, um, but since we're on the on the operations, and, and I've been mm-hmm. operating a lot lately, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously. Input into your program wouldn't be a a five-minute job because you've got to put all the data in, Well,
1: you know, yeah, I mean, that's true. And, uh, you know, the thing about it is, like, there's always going to be, it's always to pay the piper. You know, and in some of these programs, you're going to be doing that by putting in car information, whether, you know, like, uh, railroads, car numbers, everything else like that. Uh, With here to there, it's a little different because the cars are, not important in terms of the way the program works. What you're actually doing is describing your layout. You're actually describing all the towns, the, the, the railroad that you're modeling, towns, capacities, sidings. Exactly what the yeah. industries are, what the uh, commodities they move in and out of each each industry are, and like you said also the, the the sidings, where they're located, how long are they, and all that information then goes in. And when you generate an operating session, what's happening is it's you're generating the car the the, the waybills that would come onto the the, the layout in a train arriving from staging. And that works even if you're doing something, you know, like a small switching layout, because you still have stuff that's coming in off there, or a very large layout where you have entire trains moving things in. And uh, what we do in that case is when you're getting that train ready, uh, which is, this is one of the things I really loved about the idea when uh, we came up with it, um, is that a lot of times when you're dealing with staged trains uh, that are, and you're just kind of, you, there's a lot of work in of to pull the train out, change cars out in order to make sure that you've got the right cars moving in from the right areas. So there's a lot of work involved in restaging in that way. It,
0: there can be, but I'll, I'll talk about that when you. Yeah, can-
1: and, and that's fine. Yeah. That doesn't have to be. That's true. Um, But I know a lot of the people I do, Tony Custer and other people like that, they spend a lot of time, you know, doing stuff during restaging in order to get things set up. With here to there, it was designed to work with a sort of a uh, a mole type staging, which is where trains come into the air uh, an area. This is developed by Lee Nicholas of the Utah, Colorado Western a while back. Uh, And the idea behind a mole staging is that you have an area. In the back, hidden, which is off stage. And as trains come in from being uh, completed out on the road, they come into the area. And instead of just going into a staging crack, they come in. And in that area, there's somebody back there. And they do is break the train down and put the cars back away, whether they were on shelves or in is drawers. Real time during a session? Real time during the session. And as new trains come up, they have the list of it, it, it. At least he has a whole series of car cards and waybills, uh, but some are through cars, and it's basically just the car that says through, and you don't have to actually do anything except pick out a car. Uh, but a lot of the other ones, basically, it says, okay, let's see. So I have this first one, and it's calling for a box car. It's coming from California, and it's carrying fruit. Okay, well, I can find, you know, a box car or whatever else that's coming from that area, and I can assign that car, you know, into this train. Here to there takes it one basically more step. Like,
0: a, like an agent would be would be
1: exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, and here to there, you take it to another step. Whereas instead of finding, when you at least when you work with that, you have to keep the car card with the car.
0: Right. Otherwise, you
1: lose your mind trying to find it. Right. You know. So whenever he stores anything, the car card How has do to. Do you, you find it card. though? Is
0: there is there like a particular? Um, I think he has, has a method where.
1: Yeah, I think there's a method where in, in the drawers, there's like a little pocket on the side where the where the car cards actually go with the cars. Yep. So that when you pull it out, you pull the car card with it. And then, you know, you can take a waybill and drop it in there and there you go. Well, here to there is designed so that there is no car card at all. All you have is the waybill, similar to what actually happens on the real railroad. And all you do, you pick way waybill
0: can the go car, in any car that would carry that commodity.
1: Exactly, and all you end up doing is, as you're putting the train together, you take it and you write down the car initials and what the number is on each one of them. And then it goes in the car, and that becomes part of your train pack that you carry around with all the cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. So, so excuse me, there's not a,
0: um, for better, for lack of a better term, a vehicle of sorts to put the Waybill in, exactly. or is there, is there a little envelope with the car number?
1: Well, what we do is we have a little folder uh, that we have that has like a, almost like a little portfolio type of thing. All right. And on that is the uh, the train name itself. On the back, there's a the listing of what the train does. And inside, there's a route map. Okay, so you can see where everything is. So all the information you need is right there in that portfolio. And then as you're building the train, the, the way bills go into the portfolio so that you can carry everything around easily. It's very interesting because if you're going to operate in some sort
0: of realistic fashion, mm-hmm everybody's got the same problem yep and there's obviously more than one way to to, to skin a cat here but when i was listening to your description mm-hmm. i was relating it to all the various uh ways we have of, of trying to accomplish similar similar things of course um when i when i started my uh waybill system um a lot of it was based on experiences operating on Mike Confalon's layout. Cause he's, you know, in terms of operations he's several years ahead of me, arguably, oh, sure, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe half a half a decade. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times uh, I'll ask him a question on something just to get his advice cause he's already been there and, and done that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes he'll tell me stuff and I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll go, no way, <laughs> or, that might work for you but that would never work here. And then, you know, a year and a half later, I find myself doing the same thing and going, I'll be Dan. Make sure I don't tell him that. Oh yeah. I can't have that. (laughs) But he used to talk now his, he has sort of a, I mean, like a typical four-way car card is what none of us are doing, but he's using a manifest system Mm -hmm. and he has a load and an empty for each one of his cars. And he files these things. It takes him like three or four hours to set up and stage for an entire op session. He's got a big Mm -hmm. layout. I think he's got, you know, 250, 260 cars, you know, 260 cars on his layout. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not all of which move in in a session, but, um, you know, I I, I listened to that and I thought about it and I said, geez, you know, I don't know if I want a clerk's job for four hours every time I want to do an op session, which is basically what, what that, what that is, you know,
1: Sure, absolutely. But I
0: thought about you know because I was familiar with his with his cards and he gave me some samples and all that and I looked at him and I said okay like he really cared about the routing of the commodity in the car there were things exactly. things that he really cared about you probably do too absolutely that I care maybe a little less about mm-hmm. um, if I've got a car of kaolin coming up from the from the south and it's going to Maine I'm concerned with what train did it come in on? Mm-hmm. What train's going to handle it? Is there sure. a local consignee? Is it a through car? Um, beyond that, I'm not so much worried about the name of the, of the producer of the Kaolin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't need to trace it back to its source for it to work for me. So I thought if I had a card, you know, physical card mm-hmm. that on one side is the inbound And the other side is the outbound. Notice I'm not saying load and empty, because in some cases, the inbound isn't empty.
1: Sure. Of course. Inbound
0: to Mahupani isn't empty if it's going Mm -hmm. to the warehouse. But if it's pulp, it's a load, right? Thing is, the other side of it is what you do once you're done with the car at that, at that consignee. So I was doing kind of the same thing you're talking about in that Mm -hmm. I was uh, in other words, each, I, I developed like a pool for each constituent, and that pool might be represented in one or more A-line boxes in my little roll around carts. You know what I mean? And labeled sure, it sure. as such. And my thought was, well, gee, I don't want to be looking at the same cars all the time. Mm-hmm. So I want to be able to, when a train goes into staging in between sessions, take those cars off the layout swap them out with other cars in the same pool. Those go back on, you know, and Conflon, mm-hmm. Conflon scoffed at that. He says, I've been running pretty much the same cars, uh, you know, maybe taking off one or two or three or four here. And there." he says, but I'm not pulling whole, whole train loads off the layout in between sessions. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, you're going to find, I'll bet that by the time you operate again, you're not going to recognize most of these cars. Uh, and, and the fact of the matter
1: is they're on different jobs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's true because you're not always used to doing if Well, if you're, I feel if you're doing it right, the people are always doing the same jobs. People should be moving around and doing different things in order to keep things fresh. And sure. you're right. In that case, you know, you're right. It, it doesn't really matter because like you said, if you're not running the same job every day, you're not going to see those same cars. And, and even if you did, they may not be
0: so distinctive that you recognize it because, you know, I might have, you know, 10 different CN newsprint cars. Right. you used to see them in, in, you know, I've got a bunch of VTR cars that come into my opening.
1: Exactly. You,
0: you kind of expect to see multiples of that. Right. Not any individual one stands out to you.
1: Right. So you're trying to avoid the draft car problem. Draft car? A giraffe. Giraffe. Basically, I don't know if you remember years ago, Lionel had a car that they had that they (laughs) would go along and the giraffe would stick its head out. And it's obviously very distinctive. So, you know, every time it goes by, you remember that. That one you'd swap out. Yeah, well, exactly. So, you know, but you don't want You never want to get in that position where you have a, a, a brightly colored car or something that really calls attention to itself that ends up going to the same place every time, you know. So. So. If you go back about a year.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, actually let's go back like maybe two years where we were we have like you know four or five or six guy operating sessions every six seven eight weeks kind of thing mm-hmm. right um in this you know sort of post-pandemic era we nobody's been doing that of course so um it's basically been either me operating the layout and i got to give control on credit to this because he said you know he said, when you think about it, he says, it's crazy not to run your own layout
1: mm-hmm.
0: in between sessions. If you're not having a session, you don't run your layout. He says, that's crazy. And it, as soon as he said that, I thought, you know, he's so right. And mm. honestly, the first thing I started doing, like during the early pandemic, was just running the entire layout myself. Mm. And I would just, just kind of like, you know, uh, 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 just run down the jobs. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, by the time I got halfway through... I had no idea what was going on in the beginning.
1: I'm sure you're right. You know, you don't
0: do it every day, all day. You you get on there for a couple of hours and you and you run a job. You might take a a local out, or you might take a road train out of staging and
1: and, go through
0: through the schedule. Yeah, go from point A to point B, make you drop at Mahoubini, make you drop at Pittston Yard, or maybe it's a DNH train and you're doing the same thing at at Taylor, you know. So there's so many different options that even with my buddy Dave and I doing it, it takes us, it takes us weeks to go through the the this whole oh, sequence. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't even need to do the whole sequence in the same order. What we found is the more you operate, the mm-hmm. more it sort of develops organically, you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes you have too many cars in one place and you have to run an extra. And sometimes you're shorter cars and you run an extra. But most of the time it it kind of follows sort of a, a general pattern right Um, and you might decide you know we're going to run the northbound first because we've got a lot of northbound that are piling up in this particular spot we need to get them out of here but what's really interesting to me Mm -hmm. is that i
1: I want to see if i'm thinking the same thing you're thinking go ahead
0: well there's a couple of things right so Mm -hmm. the first thing i noticed was i mean i have more cars on the layout than mike mike c does i probably have in somewhere in the low 300s, you know, maybe somewhere between 310 and 325, let's say. It's mm-hmm. so a fair amount of cars, you know. A typical road train that will run might be 25 to 30 cars. You know, we try not to make them ridiculous. Sure. Once in a while, we have a 40-car train or a 50-car train because it just you just need it, you know. Um, but typically, it, you know, if you're starting it in staging, that's what you've got. You might have a lot of pickups. You might not. It kind of depends. Which is nice it's not just the same all the time Mm -hmm. i have taken very few cars off the layout and put very few cars on the layout unless they're new cars that i've just weathered or painted or or you know done whatever um and i did get to a point where as i was adding new cars at one point i thought too many cars and i took some off because you can kind of tell when there's too many cars yeah So it starts creeping
1: up and uh, things start changing. Yeah. But I keep my little cards in the Mm -hmm. A-line
0: boxes with the cars. Sure. And that's analogous to what you're talking about with your little.
1: Yeah. With what Lee does. That's right. Now, the thing about uh, just getting back to that, and I'll tell you my other thought on that other thing in just a moment, but here's the thing about here to there is it works differently from what Lee is doing, because these, like I said, are basically... Single use cards, they're really only there to take the car on and bring the car off. And when you're done, you throw them away. There, you don't have to keep anything with the cars, and that, believe it or not, is very freeing because all of a sudden, now cool you're that. not keeping a clerical job on keeping track of where all these cards are. And when something goes missing, you know, it's like, oh my god, now what? You know, it's uh, for me, it was very freeing you know, not having to deal with having to fill out a car card for every single car on the railroad. I don't have so
0: That was a huge, huge
1: job. Yeah. Now that it's done. Initial work. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you have them, it's fine. Right. But, you know, but then there's also, you know, keeping track of them and most of the time like you're saying that's not really that big a deal if your operators are are decent people and all like that and not decent in terms of nice but decent in terms of keeping track of paper. yeah people, competent They stay with the train you know right so you now, know but
0: me, you know i'm 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 famously into the guy that walks out with absent-minded. yeah i've brought <laughs> cards back from new hampshire um and i'm mm-hmm. i'm i'm well known to be leaving my little packet of cards somewhere
1: mm-hmm. yeah well the worst is when you bring them home with you that's the worst <laughs> yeah i mean
0: here i haven't had that problem i am home but um yep. i i uh i will sometimes get the pits in the yard and think oh geez where did i leave that packet
1: oh <laughs> you know? boy yeah mm-hmm. I've, I've been guilty of that myself no mm-hmm. i mean it
0: does happen but in your case yep. now if you're mm-hmm. going to start a session right is is it automated or do you sit there and make decisions about what you want to ship and then somebody's well, going to that's find an the cards and put the commodities in?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. So the, now the way that it works is that, as I mentioned before, when you're setting the program up, uh, one of the things you, instead of putting, you're putting in like you in any computerized program, You're putting in the information about your industries, you know, in order to say, what are they getting? Where are they? All that kind of thing. Uh, You're also in this case, putting in your trains so that the system is aware of what trains come in from outside. And then it will, you know, as you're doing things, and I'll get into it in a minute, but what it does is it figures out what trains should be carrying what from where. And basically when you say, okay, generate a session, it will take each one of those trains and it will build them out based on what's called the catalog. Okay. Now what we do in here and there is we set something up ahead of time. Again, like you were saying, we try to do all the stuff at the beginning. So it's a headache at the beginning, but then things get better. Um, What it does is it takes all the information. And then when you get all your, uh, your industries and everything all set and the locations and everything, you say, okay, fine. I want to set it up so that I'm getting at this paper mill. I'm going to be getting two to three uh, loads that are going out to this location, you know, and I want to do this three times a week, whatever like that. So you say, okay, you set that all up. You look at the list of uh, shippers, which we got from... Uh, the Opsig list, which you've probably heard of. Yep. Uh, one of the things that is, uh, just as a quick aside, one of the things uh, it's it's great that the opsig did this, but the data is horrible. And, and being an IT guy, you will understand. Garbage in, garbage out. Not normalized in any way. Okay, it's it's in terms of data, it's a mess. It's it's just awful. So one of the things that Fantastic. I did, one of the things I did when we got started with it is I said I have to figure out a way to make this so that a computer can read it and use it. It works from a human standpoint because you can read and you can, you know, identify what things are, but it really needed to be normalized. So a big part of it was taking all the DOPSIG information and basically going through and figuring out where the duplicates were, where things were that needed to be, uh, you know, like if if, a car parts thing, well, there's all kinds of things that could go into car parts right you know um what the railroad belonged to whether you know that and we took a list of I think it was um I think 20,000 or so industries that are in the opsig list and we when we normalized it it worked out to over 80,000 different shippers all around the country that now are in the system and available as someplace to choose to either ship something to or get something from how did you
0: do that though
1: I had a lot of help (laughs) I mean, is this like database sorting or spreadsheet work or? It it was little of everything. Uh, What I ended up doing was, first of all, I ran it through a couple of times trying to uh, basically get rid of duplicates and do other things uh, in order to try to make it in terms of what the machine could do trying to set it up so that it would get it as far apart as possible and and do those things. And then what I would do is I would break it down. And I think I had, like I said, about, I think when we first, I believe we had about 25, 30, 32,000 uh, entries that were in there. Oh, it was horrible. I'm, I'm seeing you shake your head. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was these just are huge numbers. It was a huge number. And so what we did was I, I, I got to to people and I was like, you know, on Facebook. And I said, Hey, listen, I got this project and I want to get this done. I want to take this data and I want to make it usable. Right. So what I did was I, I would ch- chop it up into basically 1000 uh, records and say, okay. And I wrote a small program. And what the small program does basically is, is okay, fine. So here's this information about this and I need you to go through and where there's information that's unclear Or something needs to be corrected. Just go through and, you know, if you have to like, say, take something and like, say it's car parts, you want to say that you want to have it, you know, that this is a a manufacturer of car parts and say that, okay, is it just, you know, body panels or is it engines or is it alternators or is it seats or whatever else like that and start, you know, do a little bit of research and then break it up and say more specifically what these things are. Because a lot of the things were way too vague. So we tried to break it up and make it into as many different commodities as we could based on what they were doing, or so if they we had this
0: starting point, you know, which which was vast but rough. Exactly. Now you have to sort of create the the database.
1: That was a big part of it, the... and that needed to have people. To Is that all done, man? It? It's close. It. I think we were in within about the last fifteen thousand records that need to be done. The last. So I I. I you know what? I'm, I'm my own worst enemy because we did about sixty-five thousand of them, and I just basically lost interest.
0: <laughs> right. Well,
1: you burn out. <laughs> and I actually have people who were part of the project who I ran into just a couple of months ago, and they were like, "When are we going to finish this?" And I'm like, "You know, we really got." That.
0: <laughs> Refer them to this podcast for reference. I,
1: I shall actually. And I'm, I'm sure that a number of them will uh, be getting in touch with me going, yeah, what's going on, man? Let's, let's boo with the it. The
0: circuits can only handle so much, you know? It's, That's right. So well, it's, it's really
1: close to being done. But now that it's mostly normalized, it's actually to the point where the program can actually use it and make use of this data in terms of. Being able to choose, like, let's say you, like when you're sitting in the catalog up, like I was saying, and you have an industry that uh, the, that makes auto parts. Okay, so you want to be have a place to send them. Well, in that list is going to be a whole bunch of auto assembly things in Detroit and in Texas and everything else like that. And you can, it'll bring those up. You say what kind of parts you're putting out and it'll bring up, you know, all those different locations where you can now say, I want to ship that to that, or I, I need batteries. You know, because I'm putting things together. Well, there's going to be a bunch of different companies that make batteries. And what would you say not, the?
0: Go ahead. What would you say the era range is in terms of the usefulness of this
1: info? It's very. It's an interesting point because it's very. It, it's hard to say because a lot of it is all over the place. It's really a dog's breakfast of information in a lot of ways, and it ranges all the way from like the 1920s all the way up to present day um there's it's all in there yeah it's all in there and one of the things that um so I, if you're I tried a hardcore
0: prototype modeler yeah how,
1: how would you
0: like how would you decide what was pertinent and what is isn't?
1: that's an excellent point uh and it's it's not, there is some information that's part of the op list that maybe on about a quarter of them actually says what the correct era is for that entry. And we've tried to make sure that that information stays part of it. Um, but it's, it's honestly, it's very tough because a lot of the information just isn't there. Um, it, a lot of it is very incomplete. I guess so, if you
0: can't tell, it's yeah. probably not that big a problem.
1: Well, you know, that's kind of the approach that we took to be perfectly honest. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, in the 1980s, you're not going to be looking for any buggy whip manufacturers. Right. So it's I, just, no, I have modeling
0: buddies that that would make them <laughs> crazy, but mm-hmm. I, I am, I am, uh, I try to keep in mind and am occasionally reminded about modeler's license. You know what I mean? That's absolutely. Right. We don't yeah, have he, the he same amount of track. People. We don't have, you know, we're doing it in a basement. We have real world issues. Um, I'll talk uh, uh, further uh, when we're done with this particular one about this mm-hmm. next place that I'm, that I'm working on that I've been mm-hmm. banging my head against the wall and I'm getting nowhere. And one night before falling asleep all of a sudden i went wait a minute mm-hmm. wait a minute i need a different approach here we'll get to that i, wa- I want to yeah, finish this.
1: by all means um so yeah but uh long story made short you know a lot of the information just isn't there but it we did try to make it like i said as normal as possible and so if you're looking for you know cast iron stoves there's going to be entries for that. If you're looking for appliances, which would be a later period, you know, like sure. that. There are so there are different entries, you know, that uh, you have a carload of catalytic converters. Periods.
0: We know you're not from the 20s.
1: You got it. That's exactly it. So and so there's a little of everything. So even if there may be some mistakes here and there, generally, it, it you can find the stuff that you're generally looking for for the period that you're looking. You know, all you have to do is say specifically what you're looking for, and you will get generally something that will show up that will probably be within your era. So where is this
0: project in your own personal priority list? Honestly, um,
1: that, not as high as it ought to be. I, it, it, That's it's That's so really, low
0: you need a telescope to find it.
1: Yeah. Well, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of the thing where I, I got it to the point where I was about ready to start putting it out for beta. And for those of you who aren't in IT, that means I was actually starting to let other people use it and try to report back to me what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I was having a problem with distributing it. I couldn't get the, um, the uh, installer program to work properly. I actually, and, and oh, you'll love this. because Is it again, an access database? It's not actually. Access was not fast enough, and I couldn't do enough things with it. Uh, I started off using SQL Server, and then realized that that was a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> because, and the funny thing is, I started. do most SQL people server. have their own SQL Server? I mean, well, it, 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 that exactly what the problem turned out to be because it's a relatively expensive program right. that not yeah. everybody has. And I was like, well, you know, that's probably a bad idea.
0: Uh, <laughs> must be some but, open source. Uh,
1: well, there uh, are. Yeah, there, there are, and uh, but one of the things I did, one of the reasons I started off doing this is that I started writing this program in a, in a period where I was out of work and I wanted to get more experience working with SQL Server. So that was one of the reasons why I did that. And then I got a job and that job actually uses SQL Server. And so I was like, well, this is great. Hi, I this experience now, and then I got to that point, like we we're discussing that, oh, maybe this wasn't such a great choice. So I ended up porting it over to a, a, a special... Smaller kind of a thing where it's actually uh, a database where the database files are stored as a text, almost like a flat file, but it's actually still relational. And sounds it runs like as an a, uh,
0: Sounds like a, a um, Thunderbird email client.
1: Kind of like that. It's a Giant program flat called. file. S- yeah, it's a program called SQLite. And it, it, the executable, it, sorry, the, the, the main program runs as an executable on the program and the files are all stored as basic data files. So it's very, you know, uh, portable and theoretically because it runs as an executable, it's, you know, it, you can run it almost anywhere really. You know, it is primarily set up for Mac, sorry, excuse me, for PCs, not really set up for Mac at all, but you know, I don't really know Mac. So that's, you know, maybe one day we'll, Find somebody who knows something about that and can port it over. That's what
0: emulators are for.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, so that, that was part of the whole journey was actually getting to the point and then, you know, converting all of this over. And then, of course, uh, the new uh, program didn't support stored procedures. So I had to rewrite everything, you know, in, in the thing in order to make everything work as, a, you know, passed in code. Uh, which, again, we don't want to get too deep into the weeds here. Right. But, that like, but the that point is, huge... you're
0: doing this all day long. You might not want to do it all night long.
1: Well, that was kind of it. You know, after a while, you know, it, it got to be the kind where it really started to feel like work. <laughs> right.
0: Because it's the so same So that was type.
1: kind of one of the reasons that it kind of got pushed to the side a bit. And that's but, one of the uh,
0: reasons why anything to do with the hobby that mm-hmm. is computer-related, I tend to go, eh, you know, I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Like when I do the podcast, I, I was determined to have it not be something that I would edit and do post-production on. Not right. look and spend more time in front of this thing. You know what I mean? I didn't want of to get Of course, away I know
1: just what you mean. And, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. it, and in order and to I,
0: do that now, you've started your own 3D printing manufacturing business.
1: Well, yes and no. Um, I, I've always had a small business, uh, very, very small, tiny even. Uh, but where I started off, it's no, under a hundred
0: million, right? Oh, uh, considerably yeah, so. That's that's the governmental uh, designation for small business.
1: Probably under two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's not terribly active. I started it about ten years ago. Amesvilleshops Uh, and i started off doing uh resin casts of uh boxcars and things like that all early period stuff which as i bet if
0: i looked hard enough i could find the namesville shops boxcar i'm
1: pretty sure i've given you at least one yeah so it's got to be around someplace but i'm sure it's buried in a corner
0: it's a collector's item
1: oh it absolutely is um (laughs) but i started off doing that and uh then eventually when i started getting into the 3d printing stuff uh I, i have actually started doing some stuff with that uh in terms of really I, I know we're probably getting into that part of the night now and that's fine i'm okay with that um but uh yeah it, it was huge once i started you know getting to the point where when i was doing resin stuff it's a matter of being a modeler because you've got to actually Correct. build the uh the, the the prototype model the master and, and the master thank you and, and be able to then do the casting work and everything else like that but you've got to be a modeler first yep. otherwise without a model you've got nothing to do see um, uh
0: if you wiki that, you see a picture of Gene Fusco.
1: Absolutely. So, <laughs> uh, and, and then you get into the 3D printing part of it and it's all of a sudden, well, now you're doing all that work but you're doing it in the computer, you know? So it's a very different kind of thing. And it becomes in theory when everything is working properly. Oh, I want to get a 28 a, a foot New York central box car from 1880. Well, you know, I designed it already so all I have to do is just go here, load the file into the printer Hit go. And 10 hours later, hey, there it is. You know, and I still have to you know, assemble it. To so you're on
0: what, your fourth and fifth 3D printer?
1: Uh, fourth, I think, actually.
0: Fourth, okay. Um, Not that well, I'm counting.
1: Fifth, if you, if right now, I'm actually in the process of upgrading number four into number five. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's the, a major upgrade. The so.
0: automotive analogy would have been to own an MG in the 70s.
1: Pretty much, yeah. You spend more time under it than in it. Right? So, you know.
0: And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it, you're it always... Is. It becomes a hobby of its own. It
1: really does.
0: Talking about some unpronounceable substance that you're feeding into it. and No
1: doubt. Unobtainium. Yeah.
0: And, and, this, and this stuff is all, on some of them anyway, it's kind of
1: toxic, right? Some of it can be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for, the, for the resin printers, the resin that you use, uh, when it's in its liquid state, it it can be toxic. It's a good idea to you know wear face protection and gloves, and keep vent- good well, good ventilation. Everything else like that. Once it's cured, it's fine. It's cured. Uh, but yeah, wh- when it's liquid, it's it's it's. I mean, it's not exactly acid. It's not like it's going to eat you alive, right? Right, I mean, right. Yeah, but it, it, you don't want to spread no, it on your toast. You. Yeah, it's not good for you. Yeah, you yeah you wouldn't want to do that. So
0: so naturally, you keep yours what on
1: the kitchen table? Absolutely, yeah, right next to the jam. <laughs> I mean, where do you do it? Uh, well, actually, I'm in my little home office right here. And yep. the printer is actually sitting next to me about five feet away. Because it's going to be near so a PC. It w- well, yes and no. Um, it, You just basically load everything onto a thumb drive and you plug it into the back. So oh, if I see. I, wanted to, I could actually put it down into the garage. The only problem is that it needs to be warm. Yeah. Only to, uh, And of course, we live here in the Northeast. So right. this time of year, it, it's kind of it hard. Warm. Warm. It is not warm. <laughs> That is yeah, not now. Um, <laughs> but so... really, what
0: makes all of this happen? I mean, I think, I think if you, the way I'm looking at it from a non 3D mm-hmm. printer guy, sure, the printer technology has come a long way.
1: Oh my gosh, has
0: it they ever... so much better? There's so much cheaper, and the printer is not the obstacle. The obstacle not is not anymore, your no, your ability to do SolidWorks type software. Mm-hmm. Right. or fusion
1: 360 which is what i use yep
0: mm-hmm. right right so then i mean for the mere mortal that's kind of a daunting thing you
1: know it can be there's absolutely no doubt that there's a learning curve um but okay now you probably want to take what i'm going to say here with a grain of salt because as you know i'm an it person i'm really familiar with computers sure um uh but i I have never worked before in 3D up until about two, two and a half years ago. It was something I was always very interested in, but I had no experience with it. I did you a little bit of never used CAD a 2D CAD or anything I like did, that? I did, I, I had CAD rail, I still have CAD rail and I use it from time to time. And uh, I got fairly good with that, but it's very interesting that the 3D software actually, in a lot of ways, it doesn't work the same as CAD. It, it's a completely different process. Strangely enough, I mean, you're still dealing with curves and lines, but it's all done in a completely different way. Um, so even having experience that experience isn't
0: terribly useful.
1: Yeah, even having that experience wasn't terribly helpful. But uh, I tell you what, if you wanted to do this 20 years ago, it would have been nearly impossible. But today with YouTube, you can learn anything. I mean, no joke. You can learn to fix your dryer. You can learn to fix your washing machine. You can learn to fix your car.
0: I just did that and- with my dishwasher the other day.
1: <laughs> Me too. Right. You know, exactly that. And, you know, so now what it is, is with SolidWorks and particularly with Fusion 360, which is a free version of software that you can get from Autodesk, which is the company that makes AutoCAD. Uh, they have uh, one year licenses for anybody that wants one for, as a, uh, a hobbyist, and you have to re-up it every year, but it's basically almost completely uh, useful software. Only a couple things are turned off. Uh, But anything that we would use as modelers is absolutely available. Is it Um, free? Higher functions. I'm sorry? It's free? It's free. 100% free.
0: It sound like Autodesk.
1: (laughs) I know, right? It doesn't, but it's true. Um, Because, yeah, Autodesk, normally they want to charge you an arm and a leg. Right. anything. Forever. Forever. And now, of course, with subscriptions, you know, you have to pay it every year, which I think is crazy. Um, As a developer, yay. But... (laughs) As a consumer, I, can I don't like it. See why they had
0: to do it, but you know. Uh,
1: yeah, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's completely free. Um, and the only the biggest thing about it is that you can only have 10 active uh work files at a time. But that's no big deal because you can have as many as you want in storage and it's all done in the cloud, you can run it yeah. on almost any computer. Uh, but here's the thing I was gonna say is that it's it, it's absolutely free software. There's a couple of other ones out there too, like um Let's see, uh, Blender, I think, is also completely free. And it's another great software that you can use to do 3D modeling. Uh, But the thing is that anybody who's really interested in it at this point can go onto YouTube and there are any number of excellent tutorials that you can go to that will teach you how to do this stuff. And really, you can start actually turning out stuff that's useful, not necessarily models like we think of, but things that you could make for your layout a switch machine bracket, right? You can easily learn how to design a switch machine bracket in two to three hours, okay? And then you can take that and take it to your printer or even send it to a printing service like Shapeways or there are some other ones. And you can basically take something that you design and all of a sudden it can be in your hand. You know, it's extremely powerful and it's not that difficult to learn. Now, granted, you have to have, you know, some interest Obviously, you have to have a little aptitude for design because one thing I have found in doing all of this is that all of my experience over the years of scratch building models and building kits and everything has come in invaluably handy because I know how models go together. So when I sit down to design something, I know how, when I'm designing it, how I need to make it in order to make sure that when it's printed, I won't end up with two right sides or, you know, <laughs> right. or making it so that the ends don't match up properly, you know, like that. It's so it, in that respect, it's, it's still very much a modeling tool. You're just not using your hands to do it. You, uh, you know?
0: know, if we ever get to do uh, or see you at a clinic someday, that would be a mm-hmm. great clinic for you to do.
1: Well, one of the things that uh, I'm talking about doing, I think you probably know, um, uh, Lou, oh, what is his last name? I'm sorry, I, I feel a bit, terrible. Um, Lou Cayley's friend. Yeah, Lou Cayley's friend, Papineau. <laughs> Lou Papineau. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, Lou is a guy who he's a great guy. He's totally fun to hang out with. But one of the great things about Lou is that he's very much interested in electronics. Okay. And so, but he's also interested in a lot of other things. And he and I have been collaborating lately on starting to put together a couple of different uh, clinics on different things. One of the things we're working on together is a Arduino clinic.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. And Arduinos of course are the uh, small computer boards that you can get and you can program them to to turn on lights or, or dual or play sounds or all kinds of things that would be useful on a model railroad. And so one of the things that we were talking about back at um, the NAR convention this past year, a couple of months ago, and uh, we were, Both in a clinic with a very nice gentleman who did a clinic on doing Arduino's, but he had a really great grasp on the electronics of it, but really didn't understand the programming well enough to, you know. So Lou knows the electronics, and I know the programming end of it. So we're actually collaborating on doing a two-part clinic at some point in the future, where we're going to sit down. He's going to do the electronics, and I'm going to do the programming, and it's going to be a. It it should be great. And I'm thinking the same thing to know, you know, this with something like Fusion.
0: I, I remember when um, Jim Lincoln was coming over a lot and building some stuff for me and mm-hmm. you know, I, w- I would be lamenting, you know, the lack of a good, um, you know, like dark bumper, you know, the things with the little pieces of rubber all, you know, bolted together. Oh, yeah. I know what you're
1: and, talking about. Yep.
0: At that time, you couldn't buy one.
1: No. So he
0: said, hang on a sec. And then he took, took out his laptop and he just mm-hmm. made one. He said, uh, we'll get this printed up exactly and i thought boy it's good to have like a jim lincoln on tap that you can just say i'd like to have a concrete phone booth yep well what are the dimensions well when i come back from pennsylvania i'll have those and you give them the dimensions. Mm-hmm. next thing you know you have a concrete phone booth there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for that there but really... i watched what he was doing and i thought is that really going to be fun for me and well, I, see, I,
1: that's the thing. It's, it's got to be, you know, I think almost anybody can do it, but it's, I don't think it's something everybody will want to do. Right. But, but you make a good point is that I think there's going to be enough people out there in the very near future who are able to do this and who are able to turn around and have a friend. Just like now, if you don't say know how to do scenery very well. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a social hobby here. And we have people who know how to do it really well and say, Hey, you know, would you mind coming over and doing some scenery work on my railroad and I'll come over and help you with wiring, you know, and it's going to be the same kind of thing where you can find somebody like me who is a, you know, getting fairly good at doing this type of design and say, hey, I'm, I'm working on these Alco PAs and I need this is the other thing, the headlight piece, you know, whatever right. like that. And it's like, "Do you think I was like, oh yeah, sure, no problem, zip, you know, and like one, two, three, Bob's your uncle and, and there it is. Well, and we, I've well, actually- we really need,
0: that. Craig, and this is, this is an appeal to you.
1: <laughs> okay. It's
0: a great looking pine tree.
1: <laughs> a pine tree, okay. Could be tough, but I'm sure it could be done you know um I there know was did, a way uh, to make
0: a great looking pine tree without i mean anybody can make a great looking pine tree mm-hmm. but you don't need a pine tree you need stads yeah, you,
1: you need yeah exactly yeah so and and if you
0: look at the commercially available ones they're kind of like eh, no thanks you know
1: yeah no so, i know just what you mean well let's look into that that's a possibility that's certainly something that could be done hmm. you know i mean that it sounds like just the thing really for uh for F, not for not for FDM printing, which is the filament stuff, but it sounds like just the thing for uh, resin printing. Um, the reason being, it's fairly you know relatively small, but very detailed, and because of the way that they're done, it lends itself to that process. Plus, unlike filament printing, uh, where each piece has to be built separately, in a resin printer you are starting you're doing the whole plate every single time. So you're building all of them at the same time. So it takes the same amount of time to Round print up. one as it does to print 10 of them. Yeah. Assuming mm-hmm. you can get them into the build area. Hmm. Whereas with another, a filament printer, you've got to build every one of them. And it takes time. So you build one, it takes time to build one. You build 10, it takes time to build 10. So there's definitely certain technologies that lend themselves to something like that. And this is definitely something that could probably be done.
0: That's interesting. We'll have to talk more about that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: I mean, let's uh, let's segue a little bit to the um, uh, what I was alluding to earlier, which was the Please, next yeah. un- undone section. And I, I think I told you that I had a, I had something I was working on that I've been sort of banging my head against the wall on. And
1: right. I, I think need I a new approach. Yeah. If, you, if
0: I have it in my head, I could just go ahead and build it. No mm-hmm. problem. But until I have it in my head, I just kind of go. Can't picture it yet. Can't picture it. Got to picture it. Mm-hmm. Can't picture it. Sometimes I drive myself crazy, and my wife reminds me it's part of the process. It's very reassuring to hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. From a Karen, as you of course also have a Karen. And my wife is named Karen as well. So, yeah. um, so I, I was, you know, I kept I, I, a lot of my modeling, it starts out with a ZTS diagram, which is the actual zone, track, spot uh, layout of the whole Conrail system. Sure. I was able to get um, someone, uh, Olive Tarme actually sent me a copy of the 1985 one for my area, which was just wow. gold. That's I had one from yeah. like 1991, but to have it so it's close to my modeling era. area, yeah, that's, there that's are some significant cool. and important differences. And mm-hmm. there's an industrial park. I don't know if you know the Taylor Pennsylvania area, but.
1: Oh, uh, sure. It was just there yesterday. No.
0: <laughs> there's an industrial park. Um, basically Conrail would leave Pittston and go up to Taylor Secondary which is the former EL and mm-hmm. uh, and get to the Taylor area and then veer off and go to this huge industrial park mm-hmm. and that is on my layout that's like one of the next things that I want to build and I built all the track going up to Taylor but Conrail has nothing to do when they get there they just mm-hmm. go and they come back it's not the most scintillating run we have gotcha. um, and I thought boy if we could get some track in for this industrial park it would it would really you know Give a really cool thing to do. It's probably, you know, six continents up there, and some back and forth, and a lot of planning of your moves and, and that mm. kind of thing. So, I kept looking at the, you know, and sometimes I do it with my buddy Dave too, and we'd look at it, and you know, you move tracks around, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to do it. You know, you've got some turnouts that are kind of the limiting factor in many cases, of course, and of course. Uh, you know, your area that you're modeling uh, is of course not anywhere. And it's really nothing like what the prototype is, is doing, you know, and that's an important thing to keep in mind. It seems so obvious mm-hmm. But you know, you're looking at this diagram and I talked earlier about modelers license. You know what I mean? Oh, so I mean, What are we trying to do? Are we trying to like, you know, buy an old Home Depot that closed and take a building and build something exactly as it is to scale? Probably not.
1: We're to or or you're things looking things. for the flavor of it, you know, flavor of it, essence yeah, it of it, look rather right. than necessarily a prototype inch for inch. Right. No, so, so if you go
0: back to like Confalone, a lot of, lot of what he's been helpful with in the past is a look at something mm-hmm. and he's approaching it from the freelance standpoint. So he's got mm-hmm. a blank slate. He doesn't have some of the same constraints, but what he's really good at is looking at an empty area mm-hmm. and, and being able to have um, the scene laid out in a way that works without being too much you right. know he's always keep he, if i have if i hear him say mm-hmm. less is more one more time i'm gonna i'm gonna explode but well he's something right something but- you got to keep in mind right
1: i'm sure yeah
0: i i have employed it a number of times here and when i looked at this area i just said okay what are we trying to accomplish here we want an industrial park that's prototype based the actual track layout is less critical than a track layout that looks right, that looks plausible, that works mm-hmm. for the spot. Sure. But what would work for the spot? I started trying to think about it from the standpoint of here's the available space. Mm-hmm. Let's work backwards from what would look nice in that space and then how we might go about building it. And that, like I said, I was trying to go fall asleep one night. I know how to relax. And I was mulling this problem um, in, in my head. And all of a sudden I thought, whoa, wait a minute. If I just flipped two of these things and put the big warehouse whose big box doesn't do me any good and put it as more or less a flat and then take the thing that was going to be in the background, bring that up front and it's got grounds and the stuff you can put out and fence it in and all of that. All of a sudden now, you've got a much more interesting looking scene Mm. I couldn't wait to the next day when I went down there and just kind of eyeballed it and saw that, yeah, that can work. Mm -hmm. Just that decision all of a sudden helped the rest of it kind of fall into place because now you're in a different mindset about it. Exactly, yeah. So although I think I was going to go ahead with a scenery project as the next step, I think the next step is going to be a track project and, and throwing this industrial park together. Not necessarily building all the structures and scenicking the whole thing, but get it operational and yeah. and, and work it and decide before you commit to too much.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to make any tweaks or changes here. Well, there's a lot of wisdom to that, as I know that, you know, I mean, uh, like you said, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting when I was doing mine, and be granted it's you know well over 10 years ago now that we were really pushing it out and getting everything done, but so many things that we did, you know, we we tried to follow the prototype as close as possible. And in some cases, what the prototype did just didn't work. You right. know? again, because of the space, you know, they you have different don't rooms, have working against. room to do exactly what they did, you know, and you find out that, you know. And I think that was one of the big things for me learning that was that find the thing that gives you, like you're saying, the thing, the flavor that you want, the experience that you want, even if it's not necessarily following exactly what they did, because and there's a lot open, of little tricks that you, oh, of course, boy, mm-hmm. and I'll give you one quick example.
0: This, this, this Jenkins area that I just, that I just completed, that's going to be in uh, model Railroad hobbyist next month. Mm-hmm. There's two consignees there: uh, a refrigerated warehouse and an 84 lumber. Everybody's seen an 84, 84 yeah, lumber, of you know. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, on my trip, I took some pictures of a real one and made sure I had a feel for the colors and you know, sort of the mm-hmm. flavor of what they have around out there. Um, this is a little bit more of a of a distribution one because it's got a rail siding. And um, there were going there was going to be three consignees in this area, and then I went with the less is more thing. Mm-hmm. But then, as I was getting them in place even just the two of them was looking a little close together for me, but mm-hmm. I really didn't have a choice, you know? And when I got right to the very end of the process and I ended up putting a clump of trees, a, a decent chunk of trees mm-hmm. between the two and towards the front of the layout mm-hmm. instantly, the whole scene changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause one's on one side of the tracks, the other one's right. on the other side of the tracks, you work right. them on different legs of your local run, and with the trees in between where they were, all of a mm-hmm. sudden, they felt like they were separated. Yep. And I just kind of stood there and thought, that's pretty cool. Because I hadn't mm-hmm. planned on that. It just kind of happened. And mm-hmm. instantly it was like, okay, I'm now completely satisfied with that. Happy enough.: yeah. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: So that's what do point. we have to do to get you back in the basement? Like, what, what do we have to do? What has to happen?
1: Well. Um, let's see. So, I've actually been trying to get back into that now that I've my son's place is finally done. Oh, right, there's is that, <laughs> that where well, there was that, but that's finally taken care of now. Um, and uh, work is busy, but not quite as crazy as it has been, which is great. Right. Um, yeah, no, I've been actually been doing some work lately. I, I actually pulled out uh, a kit that I bought um, about two well, at the NER convention, I guess a couple of months ago, and uh, while we were there. I picked up a micro kit of a, a Sailmakers, uh, building. Hmm. Um, and uh, basic craftsman kit, you know, so I, and of course, you know, everybody knows me knows I can't leave well enough alone. So I, huh. you know, I, I basically took it out of the box and said, no, i want to change it. I want to put this there and I'm going to make. I look at it, all kits as raw materials. Of course. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I don't know if I've ever
0: built one according to the instructions.
1: I certainly never have. (laughs) I want it to look
0: like Walterstown down there, you know? Well,
1: exactly. Right. You know, you want it to have character. You want it to be different. So uh, that's exactly what I'm in the process of doing. And uh, that's been really invigorating, actually, because we've talked about before. That's what I love to do more than anything is the model building. Um, but I've really been motivated recently because at that same convention, I was speaking to uh, some of the people from the uh, New Jersey division of the NMRA and particularly from the AP program. And they were, so let's say they were getting on me a little bit in a friendly way, saying, Come on, you know, you, you've already got three of your certificates towards your MMR. You know, let's, let's get moving. Let's get you, you know, let's get you to finish all that stuff up and let's get you up here, you know. So I want to get back down there now, and this is kind of helping. I need to get my scenery certificate done, so I'm trying to get more into that to get to the point where I can do that. And the 3D printing has helped a lot because it's really gotten me in the last year or two. I've probably designed about a half a dozen uh, early period cars, most of which uh, I can actually use towards uh, the AP uh, thing, where you basically uh a lot of people may not know this but uh if you do the design on you mean freight
0: cars not freight, car,
1: freight cars even yeah. passenger cars uh but you yeah basically these are all freight cars and uh if you do the design and even if you have somebody else do the printing like with, if you do the design it counts towards scratch built of course so it's so you, even though you're not actually putting you know wood or plastic you know, together per se, piece by piece. You know, if you have the files and you can show how you designed everything and everything, that, that actually goes towards scratch building cars. So I can take all that information and put it in the printer and get it out, do a creditable job in terms of detailing and painting it. And I can actually get through a lot of the, uh, the, the, this, the engineering ones for build, car building and things like that. So, um, you know, they, so they were really like, you know, come on, let's get it going. You know, you've, you've been sitting on this long enough. So and, you know, they're right. And just like you're saying, you know, there's a bunch of things that I have really been feeling lately, like I really want to start getting back down there. Awesome. So mm-hmm. I think that it's really that's I think real soon, if not very probably I can't do it this weekend because, well, we can half over already anyway. <laughs> but, Sorry, uh, you know, I'm I mean,
0: up evening. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, there you go. But some probably sometime this week, I'm going to start getting down there and start cleaning up a little bit, which is needs to be done. Uh, but, uh, you know, break out some glue and some uh, and some ground foam and things like that and start uh, getting some things done. Well, so, there's going to be
0: some follow up on this, Greg. I'm telling you right now, we're not going right. to make yeah, sure absolutely. And knowledge. I
1: know it was a while back, but we talked back then about trees, and I really have to still have to work on that a little bit. So, okay. uh, yeah, that, that will definitely begin. I up. can
0: contribute a little knowledge on
1: uh, a little bit. Yes, we have discussed So,
0: I believe it actually, or not, uh, not that I'm counting, but I'm mm-hmm. well north of 4,500 trees now. That's a good number. And just basing it on the you know the roughly 250 or so trees you get out of a super tree giant case yep and when i last looked they're completely unavailable right now
1: is that right i have mixed wow. feelings about that <laughs> mm, i can understand yeah well i mean obviously you're saving money but uh... <laughs> it's
0: more about it's more about i don't have to make them for a while
1: <laughs> well this is true too yeah <laughs>
0: I've got so, a few yeah.
1: it, It's a, you know, it's a, it's a chore. It really is, but boy do they look good.
0: If you're going to model northeast Pennsylvania, you better be make a friend of making trees because it's a No happen. doubt the about tree it tree area. There's no That's, no that's
1: one thing about modeling Connecticut in the 1890s is that there's not a ton of trees. <laughs> stone walls, pasture, stone, stone walls, plenty of those, nice. grasslands, so uh, farms like that. Trees not so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, they were burning them.
1: They, they, they were burning them. They turned them into buildings and, and ships. The lumber, and by exactly. the time that uh, the 1890s rolled around, there was not a lot left. Yep. So it's funny. You go up there today, 170 years later, but it, doesn't, it looks like it did, you know, back in the 1600s. So-called um, you know, new growth. It's all new growth. Yeah. I mean, right. but yeah, you get pictures of the stuff from back then. And it's like tree here, tree there, you know. <laughs> lot.
0: Before we wrap up here, I did want to give a quick mm-hmm. update on Dartmouth Locomotive Works. Somehow during all of this stuff, I've managed to keep up with my installs
1: oh, and
0: right. um, have been doing them steadily throughout, throughout the, 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 whole, the whole time. However, um, I'm finally on the wrong end of the supply chain issue, uh, and there's a severe part shortage on decoders. Uh, um, it's just
1: like General Motors. You can't get chips.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been waiting quite a while now for, for, uh, Loxone 21, well, not 21 pin decoders. I did just get a couple of those in, but, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that are wired, you know, the regular, the standard select, just can't get them. And in fact, the last several installs I've done, I've used micros in power packs on them, which gives you mm-hmm. a functionally, uh, uh, equivalent, uh, unit, but I'm mm-hmm. um, having trouble getting those now too. So wow. it's funny that think that's uh, due too. It's finally gone all the way, you know, down to locomotive works. Even we are being affected by this.
1: Oh, and that's, we can't have that. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think they're sitting out in the Pacific someplace waiting to get in Long Beach? What? I
0: I wish (laughs) I knew they could be. (laughs) be. I'm not sure they know. But, you know, my Mm -hmm. son has a kayak business. Hey, now you could be getting somewhere. Well, a a lot of his kayaks, believe it or not, come from Portugal.
1: Really? Okay. All places
0: my hmm. homeland and um he had ordered he's he's got a big enough kind of business now that he orders a, a half a container of boats no that's a wow. good number of boats it, it is. and he pays the manufacturer for them the manufacturer loads them into a container and hmm. then it's up to the supply chain and right. he had that container sit in a port in europe from june until i think the beginning of september
1: Oh, man, that's a long time.
0: All paid for, all just sitting there. Nothing anybody could do about it until it came ashore in Miami. Unbelievable. Wow,
1: that's that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's what's happening everywhere now, of course, right? So, In terms
0: of the podcast, mm-hmm. here's my plan moving forward. Let's hear it. I don't really have one yet. <laughs> okay. But I'm working on it. All so right. we, we've gone from a model of it would pop out reliably once a month at around the same time a month of the month Mm -hmm. for years and then it didn't pop out at all and now one has materialized
1: there
0: you go so i think i think uh my goal is going to be to make sure that it gets done on a semi-regular basis as time and interest permits and i bet i can keep that schedule
1: no one can fault you for that And I just, as long as we're talking about it, uh, you know, it's been a similar, if not worse, situation for the Model Railcast show for some time now. It's been quite a while since we've actually put something out. But uh, we do have plans to have a new show out relatively shortly. We have a guest lined up, and uh, that's going to be fun to do Uh, talking about operations. So I'm sure that uh, you'll turn in and listen to it. Was I ever on that show? Do you remember? I'm sorry? Did I ever run that show? I don't believe you ever have been. Would you like to be? I'd, I'd be happy to. Well, then we'll make it happen. Sounds good. So uh, anyway, but that should be coming out before Christmas, I should think. Uh, nice. We're trying to get it uh, timing together now, but we should have something out fairly soon.
0: So we're going to so. carpet bomb the airwaves here. I love Without it. Without
1: a doubt. Yeah, people will have no time to do any modeling because they'll be listening to us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> great. Thanks for being on the show. It was great catching up with you. And Always the- a
1: pleasure. Thank you.
0: Um, to all the listeners, thanks for uh, hanging in there, those of you, who have. Mm-hmm. you next
1: have time.
0: had half. Mm-hmm. Tell them have a
1: great time and go build something.
0: Exactly. <laughs>